everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate, and I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2 of You're Not Alone with Townsend. Be sure to click the follow button and share these stories. You can also watch the interviews on our YouTube under Townsend T Music. You can also keep up with the journey if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Townsend T Music. Every like, follow, and share helps us continue to change lives. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of You're Not Alone with Townsend. I, of course, am your host, Townsend. We've got a special guest today, one that I'm pretty excited I got on the podcast. Not going to lie. Like, I'm going to go ahead and name drop from here on out that I had Kelly Kraut on my podcast. No big deal. She probably looks familiar or sounds familiar because you're, if you are into politics at all or you don't live under a rock, she is a former candidate for lieutenant governor of Arkansas. She's a published writer, I do believe I've seen before, and just an amazing public speaker. And I've had the honor of meeting her and hearing her speak. And I actually told her right before we hopped on, when I heard her speak, I was like, she has to be on the podcast. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Yeah. So we're going to be chit-chatting something that you were really passionate about. And honestly, I had thought about this topic, but hearing you talk about it made me more curious and wanted me uh, to dive more into the topic of fostering. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a huge part of our life. So I'm excited to get a chance to share some more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody listening, this is Kelly Crow. We're going to be chit-chatting about fostering. This is something, again, even if you're not into fostering or maybe you've got an inkling that you want to learn a little bit more, this is going to be an awesome episode. So stay tuned, listen. Always let my, my guests introduce themselves. So Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you are, why, you know, you're just as cool as you are. Like, just tell us, <laughs> tell us cool. how you do it. Yeah. It's I mean, we like, <laughs> how do you do it all? Oh, you're very kind. So, so yeah, I'm Kelly Kraut. I am a social worker up in Northwest Arkansas. I live in Lowell, which is a little bit south of Rogers. And I serve as a mental health professional at a local high school. So I'm do school-based therapy uh, with teenagers. So ninth through 12th grade. And then that's about three quarters of my job. And the other quarter of my job is like community outreach, where I get to go teach all kinds of different groups of people about mental health issues. Usually that's teachers. So like suicide awareness or, you know, mental wellness. I do a bunch of stuff along those lines, anti-bullying, stuff like that. So it's a super fun, super fun job. I did spend the last couple of years pretty immersed in local and statewide politics. So I ran for state rep in 2020 and I ran for lieutenant governor in 2022 and spent a lot of time just advocating for better systems that allow people to be able to do well here in our state, which is a lot <laughs> tied into the foster care stuff, right? My husband and I fostered for like 10 years on and off, uh, starting in back in 2011, and just fell in love with being able to serve that community and just having our eyes open to what a huge need it was. Uh, at some point, you can only take in so many children. Um, we, we have a handful of biological children. We fostered around 20 and then three we ended up adopting, which left us with seven children total, which is quite a, a large number that of, is a classroom uh, and a uh, fun fact they're all boys so that keeps it extra exciting I don't know if you knew that man <laughs> so. I bet your house smells terrific <laughs> listen listen we got those boys cleaning up after themselves <laughs> but 
Anyway, so I was just like, you know, we can't keep taking in kids forever. You run out of space eventually. And I wanted to continue to kind of be able to connect with with that population and serve in more of in a social work role, which is what drove me into getting my social work degree. So I'm actually a pretty newer social worker because I did this part of my life first and then went to school after. I actually graduated with my master's during the lieutenant governor race. What in the world? Yeah, how? Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. You know, Townsend, I'm going to be honest with you. I look back and I'm like, how how did we actually do that? I'm not sure. But yeah. we, you know. And you're like still alive to tell the tales, the crazy part. Yeah, yeah. We, that, we, we, wow. Okay, that's amazing. Okay, so here's the agreement that you've taken since you hopped on. And this is just, I'm just going to make an agreement because you're live and so you can't say no. You're going to come back on and I want to talk about the high school kids and all of that. That's amazing. Like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely. so interested in all that. Okay. Okay, cool. You're going to come back. Okay, no problem. My listener, okay, my listeners all, they all heard that. So this is a verbal agreement. <laughs> No problem. Okay. Okay. That is amazing. I had, so I had no idea that you had gone back to school to do all of that. That just makes you even cooler. Can't believe that. That's amazing. So I met Kelly. I said this a little bit earlier, but I met you at an event actually for your politics, like the running of it. And I was playing guitar and singing and something that caught my eye was Kelly got up and she spoke in front of all these people. And not only am I blown away by someone that's very good at public speaking, I I respect that so much. It's hard not to get up there and stammer and say, um, and, you know, they kind of caught you off guard getting you up there and saying it. So it, I was just enamored by seeing you get up there and gracefully speak in front of all these people. You were very relatable. You're very vulnerable about your fostering story. And like I said, it really caught my attention. It's something that I've not really dove into myself, but I love to hear more about it. So let's start with why is fostering so important to you or more so why did you get interested in that system? Yeah, no, fair enough. And thank you for that. That's very, very kind words. And I do want the record to show that I get nervous literally every single time. Isn't that crazy? So do I. And people think because I play music that yeah. you're like, yeah, they think you're lying. But I'm like, no, I kind of sort of black out before I get on stage. I get nervous every single time. I'm nervous for this. I always get nervous. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, any minute I'm going to say something so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, I really, you just I keep kinda, rolling. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, my husband and I, uh, we we got married young. Uh, we were like 20 and 21 or something like we were literal babies. But when we were dating, we worked in a, in a church nursery together for a while. And there was a foster family who brought their kids in and we cared for them. And it just sort of sparked a conversation. And we were just like, this is such a neat thing to get to do. Let's do this one day. Is this something you want to do? And we both kind of agreed. Well, then when we got married, we wanted to foster right away. And at the time there was a rule that you had to be married for two years first before you could foster. Mm -hmm. Um, that rule no longer exists, but it was at the time. And so we were like, Oh, well, shucks, it's off the table for now. Got kind of distracted and had a few biological kids and then kind of came across the need, uh, a few years later. And somebody was speaking, um, it was at, it was at a church event actually. And they were just talking about the need for foster parents in our area. And we were like, Oh man, remember we were totally going to do that. Yeah. And, oh, right. That uh, calling. That's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, we still want to. That's still something we can do. And we we had three little boys at the time who were five, three and one. And uh, so we were like, you know what? We, we've got we've got the space to do this, which sounds chaotic now that I even say it. it does, but like yeah. at the time that, that made sense to us. Right. Yeah. But we didn't want to take in little kids because we had a lot of little kids and little kids are very physically demanding. Um, and I was like, hey, let's let's spread ourselves completely thin and take in a teenager. It's a little bit more like mentally demanding. Right. And so we're just going to give them from just, all, yeah, all let's sides. Just do it all. Yeah. 
it seemed like a great idea. And so we took in a teen girl, uh, was our first placement. And, uh, and we loved, we love fostering teens. I think that's where kind of my love of teens was like, oh, this teens are really cool. They're like almost adults. And they're just like, ah, so malleable. I just, I just freaking love teenagers. And so we, we started fostering then. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. Once you're in it, once you know that need, once you meet the kids and you are involved, it's hard to, it's hard to say no. Uh, and that was kind of a, a lesson that we learned along the way. Uh, we fostered, you know, like I said, about 20 kids over about a 10 year period. So we would close and take a little breather and then we'd open back up or we'd have another baby or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, once, once we were involved, it was really hard to, to not be involved. Yeah. So, so you've got 21 children now, you said, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) You've got a baseball team. Um, no, I'm totally messing. Yeah. So my sister actually, since you and I had this conversation kind of got involved in fostering. So we've, we've tipped the iceberg a little bit and it's really interesting to see how that happens. I don't think people realize they can show up at your door at two in the morning be like hey so we got this kid and they like need a home now but like you said you can't say no I mean they show up with like a trash bag of if that if anything and so you're just Uh like oh my gosh if I say no where do they go I mean it's just something that needs attention so I'm so glad you're here to talk about it say like you do have to say no like sometimes you do like oh no yeah But it's 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 really difficult. And there certainly were times that we probably should have said no when we did anyway and maybe over, you know, extended ourselves a bit. But, you know, kind of learned through that process and kind of figured out what we were good at. Uh, We did take in a few younger kids, but it really kind of messed with the dynamic that we had with the younger three to like throw a two year old in with a one, two, three. And so we uh, we ended up mostly fostering teenagers because it was just easier to have kind of two separate um not separate groups of kids but just like different energies like I said that we were uh it it made it easier for us to give them full attention um if they were if they were older that said the two that we the two younger ones we adopted we did take as as younger kids so I guess I'm kind of contradicting myself (laughs) a little bit contradicting (laughs) yeah uh no big deal I Uh love that okay so let's chat about statistics this was something that you mentioned in your speech that really Mm -hmm. like I said drew my eyes how many kids are in foster care in this area? That is such an important question. And I wrote it down recently because I was like, oh, I know that Townsend's going to ask me that specific thing and I want to have it. Okay. So at this time in Arkansas, there's around 4,500 kids in foster care. And then there's around 1,700 homes, uh, which is actually slightly improved from what it was uh, back when we were fostering. It, it hovered around 5,000 most of the time and that we didn't have as many homes as we do now, but still obviously not enough uh, drastically um, short on homes, which then causes our homes to get kind of overloaded and people get yeah. burned out. And it's a hard job. It's a hard it's job. Such a hard job. So the kids, you know, they get these kids into the system and they're like, Hey, foster parents, could you take another one? And then you're like, no, I have 21 already. Where <laughs> does that kid go? Let's say the foster homes are full. Where does right. that kid revert to? Like, what's the last option? I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It truly means so much. We've changed so many lives for the better, and we want to continue doing so throughout 2023. This project is made possible by sponsors and patrons. So if you'd like to help keep the You're Not Alone project going and hearing these amazing stories, we would love for you to join the family at patreon.com slash Townsend T Music. Just for signing up, you'll get free merch, discounts, and behind-the-scenes patron-only footage. 
not only of my music, but of each episode. That's right. So each guest on every episode answers a few more questions that only patrons will be able to watch and listen to. So head on over to patreon.com slash Townsend Team Music and let's continue changing lives. Yeah. And, and we don't, you know, here in America, we don't have like orphanages, right? That's right. Not These children are not orphans. They have parents. We're trying to work through, through a case plan, but I mean, they get kind of, kind of shuffled. So like, Hey, you know what? One foster family says, Hey, I can take them for a weekend, even though it's going to overload us. And then they get moved to a different place. Uh, there are a handful of emergency shelters that can, you know, have kids for short amount of times, but, but not extended placements. Um, there's a handful of like older teenage group homes, I believe, but uh, don't quote me on that. That's, it's been a minute since I've been kind of involved in that. But typically we're just overloading foster yeah. homes uh that that already exist, kind of passing those numbers that maybe they that maybe they should have. So it's it's a huge need. And that's one of the reasons I talk about it so much is because the biggest recruitment for foster homes is other foster homes. So like if you are doing life with me and you see me every week and you're like, oh Kelly's doing this. I, I think I could do that too. Like I've met the kids. These guys aren't scary. Like this is a doable thing. That's the biggest recruitment is seeing other families do it well. And so just getting it out there and sharing awareness, I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Something I feel like it has a stigma to it. It has like a negative, you know, connotation to it. People uh-huh. people think about, I don't know what where that came from. Maybe in the past it was kind of corrupt. And I know there are areas where it lacks, or maybe it's from so like movies back in the day. I'm not sure, but you think about maybe kids. Maybe that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I, I'm a big criminal minds fan, like love the show. Okay. Yes. But admittedly, I can't tell you how many episodes like the 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 Bane bad guy, you know, spent years in foster care because yes. of Path, this kind of stuff. And, and yeah, all that does is increase the stigma with, with these kids, because these kids are not in care because of any fault of their own period, full stop. Are, are they going to maybe have some behaviors associated with trauma? Absolutely. And we've got to kind of prepare people for that. Um, it's not going to be a simple gig, but it, it is worthwhile and it's, and it's not the kid's fault. So yeah. that's a huge. I love, okay. I want to repeat that. Cause I love how you said that. And I want people to realize this isn't through any fault of their own, that they're in foster care, you know? Yeah. And so it is so sad that there's such a stigma that people automatically think, you know, oh, teenagers, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, there's just such a negative tone to it. Now, I think it might be like criminal, things like that. Like even when I think about it initially, I think, ah, it's kind of a hairy situation when in fact it's nothing they did wrong, right? Teenagers so sad get a bad yeah. rep, right? yeah. and they're not all like they're they're just growing into adults, and you're kind of learning who you are and what you want to be. So biological teenagers can be hard too, and but they also can be like a freaking joy. Like they are yeah. so much fun. I adore parenting teenagers. I think it's I think it's wow. a great time, and we can go into it with an attitude of like, oh, this is a cool opportunity, and I don't have to expect you to be that, and. And that really does change our our interaction with those kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know I was a deer when I was a teenager. Like my mom's listening and rolling her. I was like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> okay. So what does the foster and adoptive process, like what does that actually look like? Like actually becoming a foster home? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, so the process to train, it, it typically is taking, you know, four to six to eight months, kind of depends on kind of how fast your paperwork rolls along. You're going to do like a background check. There's going to be a few things you may need to adjust with your home, like got to have a fire extinguisher or you need to have a fireplace cover. If, you know, a couple of little like petty things like that, that, sure. that are not difficult to change that you could do in a weekend if you had yeah. to. Uh, we still have up in our home a, an escape plan, like a, like a house nice. with like little arrows, like, Hey, if there's a fire, go out here. Just because we thought it was 
cute. So we, we kept it up. We've been closed for a few years yeah. now. Um, anyway, so, you know, there's about 30 hours of training that, that you do to go through the process to become a foster home. And then literally one day they're like, Hey, your background checks are cleared. We got your house clear. We've done our walkthrough, all this stuff. You're now open. And then that looks like caseworkers calling you, Hey, I've got a five-year-old. Can you take them tomorrow? You know, or whatever the scenario. Right. Is. And so it happens kind of that fast. And then once it gets going, it doesn't really, doesn't really stop. Man, what a rewarding position to say like, okay, cool. Like I just made a huge difference in this kid's life. The ones that, like I mentioned earlier, my sister's gotten into that process a little bit and I have been there when someone's knocked on the door and been like, okay, hey, so we have this kid or another foster family has been like, hey, listen, we're going on vacation. We need you to watch this kid. And it is so cool and so rewarding and seeing this just the the cutest children ever who like you yeah, said to me I'm like they're so innocent I know they're so innocent and they're so loving and then some of them are really quiet and so when you see them open up it's just one of the best feelings ever just really it's cool a, it's a cool thing and one of the neatest parts that we really enjoy because I mean the whole point of foster care always to be super clear is to reunify with their families like these right. are not orphans the, the, this is not you know like we're shopping kids in any it's not like that we're trying to support these families so that hopefully these kids can go back and so getting to be a support for those families is is a really cool and rewarding part of of the whole process and being able to kind of sit in non-judgment there right because they've just had their entire world's turned completely upside down and to be able to be a friendly face in that moment and be like, Hey, listen, I got you, whatever you need in this process to kind of help. I'm not trying to get your kid. I just want to keep your kid safe while we get you the help that you need. That's, that's the real, that's the real stuff right there. That's where it's really rewarding. Absolutely. I love that. And not judgmental. Like everybody has their skeletons, everybody has their issues. And so I think another thing that people are worried about is the whole family dynamic thing, you know, and you are a stepping stone. Like you said, the whole point of the process of fostering is just like giving these kids a safe space while we figure out how to get them back home safely or how to get mom and dad back on track or whatever that may look like. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Okay. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff we could talk about this for days, but there's a lot of things that you've got to prepare yourself for to get into this process. So what might what might some personal work look like if you wanted to step into something like this? Yeah, I think it's really huge when you, if this is something that's like a desire of yours to go help. First of all, if you have the desire to become a foster parent, then like just do it. You don't have to wait for somebody to tell you it's okay or for somebody to ask you or whatever. Like if this is something you want to do, there's a huge need. Just step up and and figure it out, right? The resources are there. But I do want to encourage people to not go into it just completely naively right like we there are resources so like talk to talk to adults who've grown up in the foster care system talk to adults who've been adopted um be willing to kind of do some of that work and kind of challenge some of your own preconceived ideas I can't tell you how many times we would take in a kid and then we would be out and about or our friends or whoever would be like oh you're so lucky to be with the crowds like no, they're not lucky. Like their lives just got turned upside down. And they got thrown in this house with these strangers and all these little boys. Like that's like the least lucky thing in the world. So like just becoming aware of some of these things that we say when we mean them to be kind and helpful, when in reality, when you talk about a kid who's been through the trauma of being removed from their parents, 
um, that's not a cool thing to say, right? And so just being able to be be willing to learn, oh, you know what? I meant well by that, but I can see how it's hurtful. So I'm going to adjust and not say that again. So that kind of stuff is what I mean when I'm talking about like doing doing your own personal work, maybe not assuming that like, oh, well, they've ended up in a, in a quote unquote better place. So this is a win. Well, you know what? That's kind of a, you're making some big assumptions there, right? And, and really takes away from the fact that all adoption stories start with a huge loss, period. Mm-hmm every single time. Um, certainly we have adult adoptees who are, you know, happy with their families and are okay with how everything turned out and, you know, maybe don't associate a lot of trauma with it, but certainly we have scenarios where, where it's something that they carry with them their whole, their whole lives and just being willing to learn about that and not make, not make too many assumptions. Yeah. I love that. So this isn't something we discussed before, but let's say I see you out and you've got some new foster children. What is a good way to approach that? Do you even, do you just introduce yourself and just be like, man, welcome? Or, I mean, how do you not say those awkward things that we all say? Right. You know, and we had a couple of little phrases that we used with our house, but we would also just ask the kids specifically, like, hey, how do you want me to introduce you? Like if we kind of go out um, and people are kind of like wondering who you are. And I had some kids that were like, just say I'm your foster kid, you weirdo. Like, why are you <laughs> asking me this? <laughs> but then some were just like, just say I'm your kid or whatever. So a lot of times I'd be like, hey, here's here's the crew I've got with me today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just be kind of dorky about it or uh, I don't know, stuff like that. But the kids they'll 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 open up when they feel safe, right? When they feel comfortable, they'll 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 share they'll share their stories when yeah. it's when, and there's their stories to tell. So I tried really hard to be um, you know, just as nonchalant about it and as inclusive as possible. And uh it it's natural and it's human nature to be like, Well, who are you and why are you here? <laughs> but the reality <laughs> so tell is me about, tell me about your story. <laughs> is it's none of your business you know yeah. what I mean so that's a tough pill to swallow as adults because we want to know what's going on but you know sometimes it, it doesn't make sense to know that information so being willing to to move along without that yeah I love that so much and that's something again that I just didn't think about and I feel like my listeners can say the same thing you just get a kid you treat them the best you can you give them a safe space in the moment but you don't have to question them and make them feel like they have to tell you their whole story that's such a great point I love that For yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So why should someone listening, why should they get involved? What What are some of the pros? Yeah. Well, you know, to, to, when I go back to like the core reason that we did it, it was that there was a need that needed to be met and we had the means and ability and energy to meet that need for at least for a few kids, not for the whole thing, obviously, but we had the desire to do it and we had the, the skills and, and what we needed to literally do it. And so the reality is there's still a whole lot of kids that need a place to go. And especially for these older kids. So when I say, Hey, we've got 4,500 kids in the foster care system, you know, we're going to have a spectrum of ages and about half of them are going to end up on this higher end. And most people who sign up to foster are a lot more comfortable fostering younger kids. And I love to be an advocate for those older kids because they know they're being looked over. They know that people do not want to take them in. They're not they're not ignorant of that fact, but the, I feel like I say the reality is over it. Like, I think it's like a fifth time I've said it. That's so I, obnoxious, but the reality is what? that, you know what teenagers, you know what they do? They sleep all night long. Um, you know what toddlers need? Uh, diaper changes, like all the daggum time. There are a lot of reasons that like older kids are actually can be a lot easier to foster. And so I like talking about like, Hey, listen, you know, teenagers can talk to you about what they're feeling and what's hard for them. Whereas a baby is going to scream at you 
And you're just going to be like guessing. So there's a bunch of reasons to take in these older kids. And they're just children who are a little bit bigger than they were a few years ago. They're, they're all just kids, right? So we've got no reason to be scared of them. They just need the same things that they needed a few years ago, just maybe in larger quantities. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. Somebody's yeah. got to be out there fighting for those older kids because people are intimidated by them and they're, they're children. Yeah. I think you make a good point. Like when I was a teenager, I think I was awake like five hours a day. You know, like you sleep all night, you sleep until two in the afternoon, you wake up, you eat, you watch TV and you go back to bed, you grunt a couple of times in between like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that nothing could be easier. No, right. I'm totally kidding. I, totally- I love that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that you're pointing that out because I do feel like they get overlooked. They, they do get the bad reputation, just like you said, all teenagers do, especially mm-hmm. one that isn't biologically yours. So right. I love that you pointed that out. Kelly, let me ask you, did you have a conversation with your kids before you started fostering? Because they yeah. were so young. How do you approach that? Yeah, they were young. You know, when we started, they were five, three, and one. So, yeah. I mean, those were babies. And so it was really just a five-year-old that we were talking with. And we were just like, hey, you know what? We're going to do this thing called fostering. And we're going to have some kids come stay with us for a little while or maybe a long time. And that was actually the whole conversation. And as kids came and went every now and then there would be some more questions like, Hey, you know, why, why are they here? And like on an age appropriate scale, we would occasionally start to have some of those conversations. So like, Hey, you know what? Uh, Addiction is a really hard thing. And this is something that this family is dealing with and they are getting the help that they need so that then these kids can safely go back, you know, that kind of thing, but always, you know, gauging maturity, age appropriateness. But I tell you what, 99% of the time, Hey, they're going to stay here for a little while or a long time. And that was like enough information for them. Kids are chill. They're super resilient. And part of, I think because we started with our kids so young, it just became the culture of our house. It was normal for kids to come and go and not just stick around for a super long time. So they never really questioned it. It was just sort of what we, what we did. Yeah. So so cool. I think people overcomplicate that. Like their kids are just not going to be able to deal. And certainly some personalities are going to jive better with that kind of like inconsistency, but we, you know, we kept a pretty tight schedule when it was, you know, I think they knew what to expect and they, they did, they did really well with it. Yeah. I love that. Now your kids have grown up quite a bit. They're, they're older, you know, still that they're older teenagers, right. Is what I think. Yeah. So that five, three and one year old I'm talking about now they're 18, 16, 14. I thought they were older. Yeah. They're real tall and lanky. Now I see these pictures. I love it. I love it. Now, do you feel like since they grew up, have they mentioned anything about maybe they want to hop into fostering when they're older? You know what? Hilariously, most of them are like, dude, I'm not having kids because we've yeah. got still so many kids in our house. It's like a little, it's like a lot of energy, right? So <laughs> my kids now are 18, 16, 14, 13, 10, and eight. And so we've still got some kind of little kids up in there. It's a lot of energy. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see kind of how it pans out. But if you were to ask each of them about the fostering process, like what they thought, uh, I think, I think they would tell you good things. Like we, we learned a lot in this process. We got our brothers through this process. We still keep in contact with so-and-so and we know her kids and you know, that kind of thing. So they would, I feel like it's been a pretty positive experience for. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love it so much. I love it. And they've probably, they'd be, get out there and advocate as well, just like, just from the learning process that yeah. they've experienced. Now, something we didn't address earlier as well, 
when you're fostering, you're just a safe place while, you know, the parents are getting their life together or figuring it out, getting the help that they need. Are foster families involved in that process? Or does the, you know, the system take the children back? Like, do the people that are fostering ever have contact with the parents? How does that work? Yeah. So like when, when you're fostering the, the, the biological parents or whoever had the custody of the children are going to be working some kind of a case plan that they're working and visitation is the biggest part of that. And so it's going to be like at least once a week for an hour, you're going to be doing visits and DHS does not have the manpower to be coming and picking up that kid and doing all that for you. So most of the time that's the foster family who is driving the kid to the visit. And so there's always some kind of interaction with with the bio parents and and you know depending on how they feel about it you can be as involved as as they'll allow you to be right so we we certainly had families that we worked with where we would meet them at a park and kind of do our own thing and get to kind of get to know them and sometimes they need to be supervised by a DHS worker you know it all kind of depends but there in our experience there was a lot of interaction with Sometimes they're doing, sometimes they have phone call visits as well. So, uh, you know, that would be (laughs) using probably one of our devices and talking with the kids, that kind of stuff. So it's a a decent amount of interaction that can be intimidating to people on the front side. But again, these are just humans who, who have been put in a situation where the, their very worst day is on display. Right. And they they are just needing someone to help walk along with them so that they can get their family back together. So to get to be there in a space of non-judgment and and be a support, I think it's just a really it's a real that part is really rewarding. It's pretty cool. Yeah. How cool. Very neat. Yeah. I didn't realize that as well. The the stories I have heard have actually been like one day uh, the foster parents pick them up from daycare. The next day, the mother comes to daycare and picks them up or vice versa. So there's really no face-to-face meeting. However, they okay. both take care of the kid. So that's cool. I like that aspect as well. I wasn't sure how that worked all the way around. It's all going to depend. Yeah. Every case is unique, right? But we had several cases that when they went back home, stayed in touch with the family for a while that's or we so get together, cool. get kids back together because, you know, they've now... Uh, you know, they've been living with this kid for three months and now don't see them at all. So get them together every now and then. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. So how can someone listening, let's say they're listening to this and they're like, okay, that sounds really cool. I want to look more into it. How can they get more involved in the fostering? Yeah. So the way that it's set up right now, there's a couple of, well, there's several different nonprofits across the state that help train um, or you, and all of them are licensed by DHS. I hope I'm not misquoting some of this, but the, they've got a kind of a system right now where if you go to every child, Arkansas.org, I believe could be com, but probably.org, they, you can fill in all your info and they're going to kind of funnel you into who makes the most sense to do that training for you. So like the call is a big one uh, that trains. Um, it's a faith-based organization. Organization. Uh, there's there's several across the state that do this kind of training and then funnel you into DHS and all get the same kind of licensure. So that's kind of a cool way that, you know, lines up with your community, what kind of resources are there, what other families are there that can be kind of support. So it's a neat, it's a neat system. So you child Arkansas, uh, look that up and get a little bit more information. Absolutely. In reality. Okay. No reality. It that's is amazing. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, if you had one thing that people could take away from fostering, like from this episode, if you if there was one thing that pe- stuck with people, what would it be? 
you know, not everything is as, as complicated as it looks. Like it, it can just be as simple as like, hey, we're going to open up our home and try to do our best to help. And like, we're going to have to do work and stuff, obviously, to, to be able to create an atmosphere that's going to be healing for this kid. But there's there's the thing that all foster parents here, once you've opened up and you've taken a few kids, that someone's going to be like, oh, you're such a saint for doing this. And foster families, like, yeah, they're cool people, right? <laughs> but they're not any better than you, okay? They are just people who saw a need and stepped up to be a part of it. And so sometimes it is just as simple as that. I saw a need and I stepped up to do what I could do. I love that so, so much. Well, Kelly, I think you're pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I do think you're cool. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, On behalf of myself and my listeners, I want to take the time out to thank you so much for all that you do. Like I said, I saw you speak that one time. I was like, must be friends. I just think what you're doing, I think what you're doing is amazing. I know you hear it all the time, but I hope you truly realize the difference that you make in all those children's lives, the difference you make in Arkansas. I'm so excited that we have you to be part of the state and to help us out. So thank you so, so much. Absolutely. It was an honor. Thanks for having me. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Okay, listeners, you know how this goes. Kelly and I are going to keep chatting. You can find the rest of the questions on my Patreon at patreon.com slash Townsend Team Music. That is how we keep this project going. If you're done listening, we will catch you actually in the next season. This is going to be the last episode for 2023. It has been such an amazing season. It's been so great. The guests have just been so, so wonderful. So we will catch you next season. If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview, visit patreon.com slash Music. And don't forget, you can also watch the interviews on our YouTube channel at Townsend Team Music YouTube. Let's be honest. I think we could all use somebody to talk to every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you. Okay guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark & Co Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area, but they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors, to painters, to gardeners, and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, you can use their easy-to-use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. 
Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Selena with Impact Coaching and Consulting is a certified life coach who helps women find harmony with their faith, family, and career. She offers a virtual goals workshop, mastermind group, and a one-on-one -on -one private coaching where she helps you identify your deepest purpose, develop a roadmap to reach tangible goals, and encourage you to overcome any obstacles along the way. Selena's worked with hundreds of business professionals throughout the United States, including small business owners, direct sales associates, chiropractors, financial advisors, real estate agents, doctors, professors, teachers, and many more. You can follow her at coach underscore Selena on Instagram and Impact Life Coaching on Facebook. You'll love the encouragement and the practical tips for finding harmony in your unique life.